Welcome to Is There Kale in My Teeth, the podcast. I'm your host, Rifki Rubinowitz, an interior design trained lifestyle and wellness expert, mom to three girls, and editor of Mishpacha's Family Room magazine. On each podcast episode, you will meet incredible women who have empowering, entertaining, and educational messages to share with me and with you. Stick around. It's wild and it's raw. Just the way we like it. Welcome to Kale and My Teeth. This is the weekly Instagram live to podcast show that I've been hosting for about four years, featuring empowering women discussing their market niche, running a range of conversations from wellness, fitness, parenting. My background is in interior design. We cover that and essentially all the things that make us 1% better every day. For any of your followers that are finding me here, my name is Rifki Rabinowitz. I'm a Toronto-based mom of three girls, lifestyle and wellness content creator, host of Kale and My Teeth, and editor of Family Room Interior Design Magazine. I am so honored to have you on. I was saying to everybody who had tuned in before you got here, it's so nice when there's that full circle moment where you're definitely somebody whose programs I've done, whose cues I've benefited from, and to you know be able to share and glean wisdom from your experience is just really exciting, and I'm excited for my community to get introduced to you. Well, thank you so much for asking me. I'm super excited. I'm usually very hesitant to agree to podcasts because <laughs> I am so awkward for somebody who does social media things, but... I am excited to do this and I'm very flattered that you have done my programs. It always makes me feel really honored when people tell me that. Those scapular pull-ups, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, please introduce yourself for any of my followers who may not have heard of you. Um, I'm Katie Crew. I am a certified strength and conditioning specialist, which just basically means I have some qualifications. So when I say something like there's some legitimacy to it, probably. I also recently got pre and postnatal certified after getting pregnant um, because I realized just the complete lack of information available for mom's training, especially because the vast majority of personal training clients are women. And also a lot of women, it's like 80% of women are pregnant at some point in their lives. And so I think that it's just such a gap. So um, yeah, I've been diving into that area a lot and trying to share that information. Yes, those have been my big focuses. That's amazing. I mean, during COVID with you hitting the barbell deadlifts on your balcony, on your balcony, I mean, these are the kind of women that inspire me because I would have say for like the first I don't know, for about 15 years, my mantra was, if there's a will, there's a way. And I think that there's been a little bit of a shift away from that kind of super hustle culture mentality. So I would say now my mantra is, if there's a will, there's a way, but I still may not choose to. (laughs) But uh, I am like almost like inherently attracted to people who really embody that, where it's kind of like no excuses. You can make the excuses, but reaching those goals, constantly leveling up whatever it is, the season that they're in. So seeing you on your porch, everything was closed. You know, I have videos myself trying to hit some, you know, uh, plank PRs with two babies on my back. <laughs> and you know, I, I, I saw those. Like, you know, maybe I shouldn't have like tried to hit the plank PR nonetheless. <laughs> 
milestones. Let's dive in. So I often get asked where to start when it comes to fitness. A lot of my community is interested in fitness. I am uh, not qualified in any regard, so I'm always uh, loath to kind of give advice in that way. And I'm sure you get the same kind of DMs where it's too generic to be able to answer unless you know kind of the full picture. But if I were in your DMs and I was asking you, I am so intimidated, I'm interested in working out, but I have no idea where to start. What would be five or so tips or ideas that you would give somebody who's completely clueless? So I would say first, go in with a plan and know that when you're first starting out that things aren't going to be ideal. You're not gonna go in and have pristine form. If you look on social media, you see people going, all those like X's and checkmark posts, like if your form isn't exactly like this, it's wrong. And I don't think that, I think it gives sometimes a false expectation where people think that they need to go in and have perfected something, but you absolutely don't. It just takes time and experience. So like going in with that knowledge, hopefully comforts you a little bit to know that it's just going to take a bit of time to get better at it, but go in with a plan and it doesn't have to be an ideal plan. It can be something you just find on. Do people still go on bodybuilding.com? I'm not sure. When I started, <laughs> that's where I was Yeah. Uh, go somewhere online, get an app, whatever and just follow that because the best thing that you can do is to just be consistent with something and also you're going to go in and feel a little bit more confident that you know what you're doing you have a list of exercises check them out beforehand watch some video tutorials um so if you're feeling unsure about oh i'm not sure what this exercise is i'm not sure what this piece of equipment is then you're just gonna um, feel a little bit more comfortable when you're when you're going in and also know that a lot of people are going to have headphones in and maybe look intimidating or like they're unwilling to talk to you, but the vast majority of people there are actually very friendly and very willing to help you. So like, don't interrupt them in the middle of a squat set, for example. I've had people like tap me in the middle of my sets. Don't do that, but just wait till they're, yeah. <laughs> wait till they're in between and people are very happy to help you. Um, yeah, I, I actually started a series on this because I think that there is a lack of knowledge and people like me sometimes get into this we start making content like about some specifics in fitness or optimizing things. And it's like, people just need information. Like how much does a barbell weigh? How do you adjust a squat rack? Like these really basic things. So watching some videos on that is really helpful. And I really actually dislike when people say no one's looking at you because I think it's possible that some people are. So for example, when, when I go in, I, I tend to like, I know there's some pieces of equipment at my gym that are kind of hard to adjust. And so I will look and uh, I'll kind of keep an eye on people I don't recognize to be like, am I going to need to help them with this? Like, uh, <laughs> so like, for example, like that's one version of somebody watching you just being honest. And then also, um, I find it personally very motivating when I see people who are pushing themselves, like they obviously are new and they're uncomfortable and they're still going and they're doing it and they're getting, especially women in the weight room. I really love it. So maybe for that reason, I'm watching and admiring you. And there are a very select few number of dickheads. We're probably, I mean, very, very few and far between, but it's possible. But I just really hate the idea that you're going to not reach one of your goals or do something that's going to make you feel better about yourself because there's a chance that some idiot is there. <laughs> so I guess just kind of push, push through that, and, which is easier said than done. I just don't let them ruin it for you. But again, like it is just so rare. It's probably not going to happen. You know, we've all had a story, you know, the story that I want to think of because we try to keep 
you know, everything's super classy over here. But I remember I was doing a chest press with some pretty, like, significant weight. And this man in his 60s took the liberty of coming over and, want, and offering to help me. First of all, let's combine point two and point three. Point two was don't interrupt somebody in the middle of a set. Combine that with, you know, being a little bit of a jerk at the gym. I mean, all of my wrath of the past unattended therapy <laughs> wasn't <laughs> unleashed on this man. <laughs> I'm offering to help you with your, with your next set. Kindly walk away. She's like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm like, I am that girl. But yeah, no, it's definitely not fun. I am. Um, and to your first point about the form, it's such a good point. And I think that the point is actually really applicable in a myriad of ways because what you're basically saying is you got to use your own head and do your own research. So let's say if you, you know, you really respect Katie or Rifty and you're following them and you want to kind of plug and play what they're saying, that might be good sometimes, but it's not good always. So figure out what works for you. And I remember like a, a bunch of years ago, we were always taught your knees cannot extend beyond your ankles in a squat, right? I mean, right? We were always taught that. And you know, my husband is six feet tall. 95% of his height is his legs. So, <laughs> so he's doing his squat and his knees are jutting forward. And I'm like being the annoying wife and being like, babe, like, you know, weight in the heels. And yeah. after, you know, kind of doing my own leg work, I realized that that wasn't right. His physiology made it so that that's exactly how it had to go, even if he was just at a 45 degree. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I myself have experienced those kind of learning um, situations where I had to use my own head. Yes, absolutely. And also that there's this perception that if you do anything without like a completely straight back or your form isn't pristine, that you're going to injure yourself. And your body is actually very durable it's not like you're gonna i mean it's always possible but it's very unlikely that say like your knees past your toes once or something happens like you're you're gonna injure yourself right i think that i think that people can sometimes get into this fragility mindset that isn't that helpful and also you're absolutely right that form looks correct form looks different on different bodies like there is a wide variety of of safe I don't want to say acceptable, safe form. And it doesn't always look textbook and that's totally okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we covered three points. Do you want to leave it at that? Or would you have two more that you want to add to somebody who's completely going in blind? I don't know if I have two more points. Yeah, that's good. Familiarize yourself with the equipment and the weight, go in with a plan, check out the exercises, know that some people are doo-doo heads. I think that's mostly it. You know, one of the things that I wish I could tell all my friends who are, you know, kind of starting out is that it can be a lot simpler than we think it is. And what I mean by that is that, you know, sometimes my friends will come over to work out like at the gym in my basement. And my personal way of working out is I like to lift heavy and lift simply. Dread cardio. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, They'll text me the next day and they'll say, like, my lower body is so sore, but we pretty much only did four exercises, to which I say, I know your group classes are a lot of fun. I isolate myself with my workout. I'm not a social fitness enthusiast. And there are downsides to that because it could be lonely. Having said that, I'd rather be efficient. And I think once you 
basically learn the basic movements and the muscle groups, it doesn't have to be so complicated. So in saying that, would you have a way to be able to break down the basic movements and, you know, some workout splits to kind of eliminate that overwhelm? Yeah, absolutely. So um, first, I will say that there, you're right, there are many ways to accomplish your goals. And especially when you're first starting, you're going to see results from almost anything. Like if you are untrained, you're going to see muscle gain results from running, right, which is not typically something people do to build muscle, right. But it's just because it's novel stimulus. And so again, like you don't need to get it right, right off the bat. And I would also say that my bias, this is where all of this uh, what's going to come out of my mouth is my personal bias, which is very similar to yours, but <laughs> which is like simple, basic patterns. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me those bala bangles, girl. <laughs> but yeah, it's like simple, basic movement patterns is what I think. But also, um, if if you if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're not going to continue it. So if you are somebody that loves group classes, if you want to join a CrossFit box, because that keeps you accountable, having that structure with the class times, I think that's awesome. I think that there, we get a bit judgy about, you know, and argue semantics, but when it comes down to it, what actually matters is sustainability. Okay. That's, that's my disclaimer. So my bias is that I, there are so many benefits to weight training. It really does not have to be that complicated. I am also anti cramming as many exercises as you can into your workout for certain body parts, you really can get a lot accomplished efficiently and effectively with just the basic movement patterns. Not everybody agrees with exactly what these are, but it's basically like pushing exercises. So like pushing in front of you and pushing overhead. So pushing in front would be like a dumbbell chest press, a bench press, a push up. Um, pushing overhead is any kind of say dumbbell overhead press pulling exercises so rows and also pull-ups or lap pull-downs so pushing and pulling in these directions squats so that doesn't have to be barbell back squats it can be a single leg bench squat it can be anything that's sort of a squat pattern a hinge so that's like a deadlift uh, a romanian deadlift uh, a kettlebell swing <laughs> lunging movements so single leg we did lunging movements which again similar to squats but also i think it's good to train one leg at a time and weighted carries which is something that a lot of people neglect but it, they're really good for like functionality grip strength yeah same honestly a lot of the time and so structuring any kind of program or or if you're intimidated to make your own program, following some kind of program that has these basic movement patterns embedded is just going to give you so much bang for your buck. So com compound movements are sort of where you want to focus your time if you're looking to be efficient and see a lot of strength and muscle gain results from your workouts. And so that just be basically means like exercises where you are working multiple joints and muscle groups. So like a squat, and like those big heavy movements or movements that you tend to be able to load a little bit heavier. And then you can get into things like if you want to isolate a little bit more, you want to work your biceps more, um, you can add on some accessory movements. Yes, for efficiency sake, I would say definitely focus more of your time on compound lifts. And in terms of structuring your training, I really always say to people, it depends on your available time. So you sort of want to have the goal of training, ideally training your muscle groups about twice a week for optimal results. And so if you say have two days to train, that would mean you want to do two full body days. Because if you're just doing like biceps and 
back on one day and then quads on another day, yeah, you're missing out on a lot. And then the next week you're doing other things. What we see a lot, and I think especially a number of years ago was a lot of body part splits, which is sort of more how bodybuilders train. And that's fine if you're doing like a five day frequency or six day frequency. But if you are like a normal person who just wants to add a little bit of fitness into your life, you're training two or three days a week, you probably want to stick with full body workouts or like a, two, a full body day and then an upper and a lower body day. So, uh, or four days you want to do lower, upper, lower, upper. There's many different ways you can make it work sort of just with the goal of incorporating these different movements and training your whole body throughout the week. Ideally, especially body parts you want to prioritize your training at least twice a week. Yeah. That's so helpful. If anybody who's like watching now or listening, you know, later once this is on the podcast and you're driving in your car, keep listening to those past two minutes again until you understand. That's basically like four years of education <laughs> in there. And that's really all you need to know. And I say this all the time on my Instagram. Once you're educated, you're a free bird. I remember when I first got into strength training, it was a long time ago. And I remember, I think, oh, it was during the summer. Every one of my friends and family was out of town. So I loved it because <laughs> I wasn't working as full time as I am now. And I basically just worked out all day. It was like, a, like an isolated two months of my life, like this golden period in my life. I think back on so fondly because I remember being like, no one's calling me. Okay, I'm just going to hit one more set. <laughs> I definitely don't choose to spend my free time in that way right now, but that was where you found me then. And I was working out similar to what you were describing, which was very specific splits. But because I wasn't fully educated on what I was doing, yes, at the time I was, I was learning about strength training, I still was prioritizing my cardio, which was at that point my personal Olympic gold hallmark of fitness. So what I was doing was I was doing five, a week strength training and still trying to hit my three times a week cardio stacking them all up listen I'm not talking about burnout right now again that was like my fitness honeymoon so it was amazing but as I educated myself I understood that when there's no way to equally prioritize unless you're some kind of fitness physicist which I'm not and then once I educated myself there was a period where I wanted to grow my glutes and I was effectively working lower body three times a week with knowledge, without overtraining. So I guess my question is, speaking with that beginner's mindset and real curiosity, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who kind of is finding themselves in a season where they're trying all the things, they have to keep tweaking, they're not sure what's working, and they don't really know where to go next? Uh, this is such a tough one because there is a point at which sometimes what you're doing is maybe not optimal and you do want to change things up. But I find that the biggest problem people have is that when they don't instantly notice results that they hop off the program or, and they start something else. And this can be extremely, extremely tempting to do because of how many people are sharing fitness advice or are motivational for people online. And so you say like, Oh, I think what people tend to do is they say, oh, this person has amazing glutes, so I'm gonna do their program, or this person's body is like this, so they must know what they're doing. Not, maybe they do, maybe they don't. It's just that so much of that really is genetics, and that's not like what people are usually like, hi, I look great. It's probably largely my genetics plus my hard work, right? So my best advice to people is to sort of go with 
someone you trust, whether you're getting sort of a generic basic program, which is probably very appropriate for you if you are somebody newer to training. And if you are somebody that has a number of years under your belt and you want to really optimize things, go to get a coach for personalized programming. If that's something that's affordable, accessible for you. But once you do just stick it through. So do the entirety of the program and then wait to see because muscle building, especially for women tends to be incredibly slow. Not always. Sometimes you tend to notice gains in hindsight, I would say. So yes, just try and stick with that as long as you can. And if you find that after you've done one or two programs and you're not enjoying it, that's especially a reason to change. If you don't like it, don't stick with it, but then maybe continue to do research, find somebody else that you, that you want to follow. But that's sort of my best advice is be patient and trust the process. If you've sort of vetted the person who's writing your programming or doing your programming, because I often find like, I know there's people that have programs, workout programs or apps that, oh man, I hate being shady. I'm not trying to be shady. It's like where <laughs> they, they have different workouts every day. And I just don't think that I think that while that may keep you a little bit more entertained, like something like that, people think like, oh, I sweat a lot. So I must've had a really good workout, but that's just not really how that works. If your only goal is to move and you want to just move your body and enjoy the process, like, I think that's cool. As long as you're being safe, that's awesome. But if you say like, have goals, like you said, like you really wanted to build your glutes or your lower body, the best thing you can do is find a really solid plan for that and stick to it. And then know if you're not seeing results, it might just take more time. Maybe you should look at things like, what's my nutrition like? Am I eating enough food in general? Or am I trying to both diet and grow my glutes at the same time? Because that can really work against you. Am I eating enough protein? Am I resting adequately? So maybe you're not sleeping enough and so you're really under recovery. So you're not really having effective workouts or gaining strength and muscle like you would be if you were properly recovered with more food and more sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I've gone on too much of a tangent for this question, but... Um, I saw the question about where to start once you've been given the green light to exercise after having a baby. I'm going to get to that next. But what I wanted to ask you, let's talk about some ways to increase the difficulty of your workouts without having a variety of weights or without being gym focused. Um, I know there are three or four ways. I'd love to hear them spoken from you. Oh, okay. So it is typically easier for people say like you want to gain muscle. Okay. So gaining muscle and strength aren't the exact same thing. There is overlap in how you train each way, but to gain strength, it is easier to have heavier weights. However, um, what the research tells us with muscle gain is that you can gain muscle within a, a wide variety of rep ranges effectively. So reps from like five to 30, you can effectively grow muscle. There wasn't a noticeable difference between groups or there isn't, provided you go, if you're going with higher reps and lighter weights, provided you're going within a very close proximity to failure, muscular failure, which means it does suck. Like doing a 30 rep set to failure is very hard to train. However, oh man, I do reps of 12 and I'm like, I'm done. Same, same. (laughs) Even when I program for myself and I'm like, let's stay between the 12 to 15 rep range. I'm like, meh, let's stay. I'm done. So did I say six to eight? Six to eight? Yeah, no, basically. But you can gain muscle effectively. Just sort of be aware that it's not going to feel comfortable necessarily. Let me ask you a question about that. Yeah. So 
studies have shown what you just said, which is as long as you're hitting failure, the rep range is not as important. Okay, oppositional studies have shown that if you're consistently lifting a five pound weight, okay, or three pound weight, even if you're doing 60 reps of that, that's still your body's, I guess, like homeostatic place. And there's absolutely no way to put on muscle when the weight is so light. We're seeing a little bit of a shift in fitness trends now, just like I was saying in the beginning where we're shift, we're seeing a bit of a shift away from hustle culture, where, you know, there's the wellness community is working a lot with these Pilates programs and lighter weights and dance fitness kind of programs. All of those programs, if you go according to the study that I mentioned, would mean you can't put on muscle. But according to what you said, as long as you're hitting failure, you're still able to gain strength and even maybe put on muscle. What do you say to those kind of very dichotomous approaches to fitness? So if there's actually, so the cop, the caveat there is that you, they found that you do need to have a certain percentage of your rep max for this to be effective. So I think it's like 40%. So like, just like, you're right. If you're just going to bicep curl a pencil a thousand times, you're not really going to be making noticeable muscle. And that's just because you haven't sort of met that lower threshold. So thank you. That is a good point. I think that, so can I go on a tone rant quickly? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> tone is one of the swear words in my home. <laughs> I know what people mean when they say it. It's sort of like a certain appearance that they are they are seeking, but essentially all that that appearance, what is actually happening to create that is the the loss of body fat and or the gain of muscle. And so you're not going to more effectively be doing this with really really lightweights or Pilates based programs necessarily. It's just maybe you're not gaining muscles quickly, but. I'm not saying that's not going to get you to your body goals. It totally depends on what your goals are for you and what you enjoy. But if you are somebody that is looking to gain strength and muscle, it's just a very inefficient way to do it. And you will max out quickly because you can challenge yourselves in other ways with those workouts, man. Some of those workouts are very challenging in other ways, but again, just in terms of building muscle, that's I, not like the efficient approach. I hate them so much. <laughs> I try. I often try, you know, I'm, I'm in a very like relaxed way of working out right now. So I'm like nowhere near burnout or boredom. But when I am, I sometimes say supplement the intensity with some, you know, Pilates and I'll go to these classes. They are first of all, so hard. It's, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I'm doing rope crunches using like 170 pounds. How can I not hold this plank for 10 seconds on a reformer? It's crazy. But every minute, and obviously, like, I'm not trying to speak negatively, but we're having like a conversation about our own personal biases. Our biases, yeah. Every minute of the clock, I'm staring at it and I'm cognizant of the fact that like, I, I don't feel strong and cool and I'm bored. And so like, it really just, yeah, it's not for you. It's just not for me. Yeah. I, I definitely can recognize how hard they are, but I've also accepted that it's just not a good match for my needs. Yeah, absolutely. And also like what fitness is or what fit is, is just so different because it really like, you just become a, you, you get better at doing what you're used to doing. And so anything that's novel is going to be challenging in the same way that I used to do a lot of group X classes. I used to teach group X classes, cardio group X classes of many years ago. <laughs> Good life fitness. I used to teach oh body attack classes. <laughs> and like, 
if I would probably die if I went into one of those now, like, but I'm a lot stronger. So am I more or less fit now? Like, it's so arbitrary, right? So yeah, I think it's great to incorporate that kind of stuff. And it does unlock, sorry, my light keeps dying. It doesn't incorporate a different type of strength and challenge for you. But again, like my bias is that if you are looking for more strength and muscle gains, and you're asking me about that, I definitely wouldn't prioritize something like that for that reason. Yeah, true. So Oh, this is, you know, I could talk about this every day of the week. The, I mean, this question has two parts. Part one is what are some common misconceptions you see coming your way from women about fitness? And part two of that question is let's talk a little bit about bulking up and strength training. And I think they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Can I address that one first? Um, yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you. I think that, oh man, I actually, I actually struggle with this one a little bit because I think that, say like it, me at my most muscular, if I had looked at myself when I started, I probably would think I was bulky. But living in that body, I wasn't like, I'm so bulky. You sort of just adjust to what you look like. And I will say that a lot of people when they start working out are just not used to seeing themselves with more muscle. And then when they see it, they realize that they like it and the perceptions of like attractiveness and their own self-perception changes. What I will say is that like, it's, I don't think you're at much risk of bulking up in a way that you do not like from just starting to strength train because it does take so long to build a lot of muscle for the vast majority of people. There are genetic differences where some people do build muscle more easily than others, but like just get pregnant. I lost all my muscle. <laughs> it doesn't stand on your body if you don't keep training that way. Right. And so I don't think it's something that people should really fear. I think the vast majority of people's experience experiences with strength training is that they, they figure out that they really enjoy the way it makes them feel, how powerful they feel. They like the changes to their body. And if I would say like, if you don't, that it's pretty easy to sort of pivot and start training in a different way. It's not like you've done like irreparable damage to yourself, you know? I mean, if only the muscle, you know, was so easily able to be built and easily maintainable. You know, I always get like a little ego boost every time somebody's like, let's work shoulders. I'm like, I'm honestly not going to hit my max on shoulders because I put on muscle really easy. <laughs> <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like if only, I, I, I probably worked out for like many years before I started seeing like a, a microcosm of definition on my upper body. And even now, I don't eat in a way that shows how strong my core is. I'm aware of that. I've educated myself. I yeah. know exactly what's happening and why it's happening and therefore there's no anxiety about it you know what i mean so i think that it really also comes back to the education of it but on a scientific perspective you know let's talk a little bit about female hormones and what's required to put on muscle is a lot of testosterone which by default we have less so unless you're i think Given your humility, people who are listening may not understand just how strong you are. You are so strong. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Stop. Stop. But needless to say, <laughs> we're talking so like almost like very cavalier about putting on muscle. But, you know, you're an athlete. I've been working out for well over a decade. It takes a lot of work to put on the muscle. So if you're starting out and your fear is, am I going to bulk up? 
Probably not unless you get super, 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 super strong or, you know, you drop a significant amount of body fat so that everything shows. Yeah, it does take a whole lot of effort. And like, again, like you're not just going to like wake up and like, surprise, my delts are exploding. Like it, you notice the changes as they're occurring. And then it, if anything, you're probably just going to be like, wow, this is taking forever. Or like, I really wanted to grow these specific body parts. Why are they so obnoxiously stubborn? And it's yeah. like genetics. <laughs> like, that's like the majority experience that people have, um, because you're absolutely right. We just don't have most women, especially the hormonal profile to gain muscle very quickly. And even men, I mean, a lot of them and women, but like a lot of them will hop on exogenous hormones to improve their gains because that is makes it a lot easier. Right. Um, so even like with a male hormone profile, it's hard for them to gain muscle sometimes. So yeah, it does take it does take a really long time. And I also think that people get so used to seeing people who are in very like elite shape. You're right, like super lean, especially a number of years ago, like people sort of to be taken seriously at fitness, people believed or the perception was like if you didn't look extremely lean, then you weren't to be taken seriously, which again, like people who are that lean are not at optimal performance. They're probably not particularly strong at that time because body fat actually has a lot of very helpful functions for you and makes you stronger and feel better and have better workouts, right? But when you are so lean, you do look a lot more muscular. So if you notice, like if you've ever, probably not a common experience, but if you've ever been to a fitness show where these people are on stage and flexing and they look huge, if you see them with shirts on, you would never guess. You would never guess they had that much muscle because they look so much smaller in clothing. It's just outside of clothing, you know, you look really ripped. And also there's the whole PEDs, so performance enhancing drugs and people not being totally honest about being on them. And so maybe you see people who have like their upper tier of their particular area of fitness and they're extremely muscled. Maybe they're not being totally honest about their steroid use. So you assume like, oh no, if I pick up weights, I'm gonna look like this. It's like, oh no, no, no. They've been training for many, many years and they're using sort of like PEDs and they're just maybe not talking about that. But yeah, it's just like, it really is very hard for most people to, to gain muscle. And you'll probably notice, you'll probably notice gains in like strength and things before that. So, so, uh, and again, like you will have a lot of time if you're not enjoying what's happening to sort of like pivot and start training in a different way if you really don't enjoy your gains. But like, I would say that what's probably gonna happen is you're gonna be like, wow, this is so cool. I feel so strong and powerful. No, it's a, it's a really cool feeling. I, I remember when I first started strength training, I had to Google how to put pleats on a barbell. Yeah. Uh, Googling it, I, I still, even now, getting on the bottom of like a hip thrust and then deloading, I'm always kind of like, mm, we're doing this again. There goes 15 minutes, you know? Oh, it takes so long. So she's so building a bench. Long. Oh my gosh. But you know, once I shifted my mindset that 60% of my workout is pretty much setting up, I wasn't always trying to rush through it. I'm like, okay, this is part of my set. It is what it is. Yeah, so that's one of the downsides of the information age because you could be sitting in bed scrolling and you're seeing all of these fitness professionals and not really understanding, you know, what's going on behind the scenes, how many years they've been working at this, the fact that they are, you know, at elite pro levels and, you know, they're selling their program and the programs could be amazing, but as like a suburban, you know, Toronto mom, you're leagues away from, ooh, just us, <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're leagues away from getting there. So in saying that, somebody actually asked a question about 
how to structure their own workouts beyond just copying things from Instagram. Well, we talked about that a little bit about, you know, uh, different muscle groups and the main functional movements. So I think that I'm going to take that question and kind of adjust it and turn it on you and ask you how you structure your workouts currently. I will add one, one point to that is that you can look at what other people are, are writing for their workout plans, but like that is going to be based on what they are prioritizing. So the way that I program is not necessarily the way that I personally train. And it depends on who, who the plan is for or what it's for. Like if I'm doing a beginner level plan or like a general strength plan or one that's emphasizing something that I don't personally prioritize, I'm not going to program it exactly like that. And I often will get the question, is this exactly how you train? And I was like, no, it would be like not optimal for me to tell you that <laughs> just starting because you should like build up a well-rounded muscle base and you know all that stuff and also you should prioritize so put early in your workouts what you want to most prioritize and so even if somebody is like you need to do bench press or work your chest like yeah great totally incorporate movements that are training your entire body but maybe you want to add lower body to an extra day maybe you want to do hip thrusts first in in that workout because that's what you personally want to prioritize so you do have a lot of flexibility to move things around based on what is important to you the way I train, I tend to like to train my lower body pretty heavy. And then I, I, do, I definitely don't shy away from upper body training. I love it as well. But I really love body weight upper body training. So I work a lot on like my pull-ups, on push-ups. I really love explosive push-ups or plyometric push-ups and upper body stuff. <laughs> I enjoy them a lot. And then I also enjoy like some element of conditioning or athleticism. I like feeling... I like feeling athletic and even though I am not as training for a sport my brother is um, an MMA fighter he does like jujitsu and boxing and all that stuff like every day and he sometimes will take me through things and man I just feel like such a sucker when I'm training with him he's so athletic yeah so I do a combination of of that kind of stuff where I will uh, prioritize all of that as much as I can but say for example right now I'm focusing more on lower body because I did lose a lot of muscle uh, after pregnancy and early postpartum. And it's just taken a long time to put it back on. Like we said, muscle slow. And I also have the advantage of I've already gained that muscle. So it is easier for me to now gain that muscle back versus if I was gaining it back the first time. So you do have something called muscle memory and it's still just taken, taken a while. because my must, my body does not like holding onto muscle. So because that is what I'm more prioritizing right now, I am spending more of my sort of energy on that because you do have a finite amount of energy or you sort of alluded to that when you were talking about your workouts, but when you're doing five days of weights and three days of cardio, you do have a certain amount that you can recover from and that you want to be productive. And so you don't want to spread yourself too thin. So like really figure out what you want to prioritize, sort of program that in first, and then ideally rounded out by making sure you're training all of the areas of your body just to sort of be uniformly strong, not develop any major imbalances, whatever. Yeah. And I think going back to the education, once you educate yourself, my friend, you know, she was over one day and I had written a program for us. I'm trying to remember what it was. I think it was like core cardio or whatever. And we were using a cable, cable twists like this, just to like, you know, work on the obliques a little bit. And she hated it. So she didn't like that exercise, which I said, don't do it. To which she said, but I have to. Well, let me break it down for you. This is the muscle we're working. This is why it's working. Now, what do you like doing that could maybe work the same thing? Or, you know, 
we have autonomy over our movement. If you really, really hate something, you don't have to do it. And you just don't. There's no guilt in that. You can make the decision for yourself and say, even though this is my program, and even though, you know, I did a program once that she wanted everything. She wanted, you know, high reps. She wanted many sets. She wanted heavy weights. And I was so proud and of like my progress as an autonomous fitness enthusiast because I looked at this program and I said, I really like the way she structures the movements. But the amount of reps and the amount of sets not only does it make sense for my goals, but would eat into about two and a half hours of my day. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to adjust it and I'm going to break it down. And I think once you have that education, it's so empowering because not only was I not a quitter, I was able to make an independent decision that benefited me in the long run. So like, just say no, like, just don't do it. And that's not lazy. That's smart. No, that's awesome. I'm very glad that you modified it to make it work for you. I often hear the comment from people like, is this the whole workout? Like, do the plans, like, that do my plans? They're like, it took me 40 minutes or like 30 minutes. And I was like, man, I know I'm slow, but that workout takes me an hour 15. Or typically I program the workouts to be between 45 minutes and an hour if they're like a heavy lower body day or whatever. But it's like, oh man, I think people are really in the mindset of like trying to, trying to rush through. They don't rest very long between sets because they're anticipating like a program like that for example. So perhaps that's sort of like the demographic she, he, whatever is used to where they were um, programming for, for people who are used to like keep their body moving the whole time. And, and maybe yeah. like you and I are in <laughs> the place where we're doing fewer things and trying to load them a little bit heavier, get more effective sets with them. And so like, you just absolutely can't fit in that much, nor can you recover from that much. So it's just not really any more effective to cram in more. Like you're probably <laughs> going to have more productive sets by resting for longer nobody wants to rest this is what i train people i'm always like please continue to rest you have two more minutes of rest no i think it really depends on a your goal but be your mindset for example you know i was a diehard berries enthusiast for many many years i was doing you know double tread on a double class i was you know that kind of endorphin rush is perfectly synthesized with my personality. So like being in that space is not actually a like a push. It's it's home base for me. <laughs> Pull away from that because I <laughs> in any case, once I started picking up strength training during that fitness honeymoon we were talking about when I was in complete isolation, I had to shift my mindset too. I remember having the same thought when I was doing my first fitness program. Like, you know, my husband would work out with a friend on a Sunday and he'd be like, and we, we were both like endorphin chasers and he'd be like, Rifki, they just basically walk around on their phones the whole time. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, basically. I realize, and my friends will say, why are you texting me? I thought you were working out. I'm like, I'm, I'm in the middle of a rest. <laughs> Your mindset, you know, the rest do not feel unproductive. They amp you up for exactly what you want to do, which is to lift heavy the next set. It's just, yeah. Like, yeah, your body just needs that time to recover the energy. And so if, if you are trying to like lift heavier, you just physically cannot complete the same reps if you're not giving your body adequate rest. And it is a weird shift of mentality when you are used to, I, I started the same way, like cardio classes, lots of cardio conditioning, always moving my body. And it, it is a weird adjustment. And you do maybe feel like you don't necessarily get the same endorphin rush. Although I will say after I've had a good lower body workout, like you can't tell me anything. I'm delusionally confident. I'm like, I am so strong. I'm so great. So I mean, I do get some delusional endorphins, but basically like 
it, it, yeah, it is, a, it is a strange adjustment and you just kind of have to like trust the process and be like, okay, I am going to get stronger. I am going to see results. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So maybe like if you are somebody like that, put on a little rest timer. Say like, I'm gonna rest at least two minutes in between my heavy sets, especially two, three minutes. And then you'll start to realize like when you cut your rest shorter that you really did need that rest to complete all of the reps at that weight as you get stronger, especially. Oh my God, no matter how long you're resting for, those last 10 seconds, that panic starts setting and you're like, oh, forget it, I'm not ready. Forget <laughs> it. I just wait until the beat drops all the time. Okay. It's like, oh, has it been an extra minute? Beat hasn't dropped yet. That's where we're going. And my hands are so tiny. And so it doesn't matter how many farmer's carries I do, my hands, my hands just give out. I've had situations where I, I'm ready to go heavier in a deadlift. I'm chalking up. I'm doing what oh, you are talking. Okay, good. Yeah, they're just little, little baby hands. <laughs> little tiny baby hands. No hands. <laughs> so it is what it is for me. You know, we're just not going to grow that glue any bigger. And I think that's okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe in your specific case, straps, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe straps. Tried them. I've tried them. No, you're gonna oh. measure hands. Like, it's an interesting experience. Yeah. My sister has small hands, and she's always talking about how that inhibits her weights. It really does. I yeah. Mean, really, really does. So no, I'll just add on reps, and I, I like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going as heavy as I know I could. That's okay. During my glute year the building of the glutes, this meant a lot more to me. And now it's kind of just like, it is what it is, but. Or stick with machines. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, ever since COVID, I've been, I've gotten really used to working out from home and we moved um, into our house last year, August, and we put in like a really solid gym. There's like a big cable machine. And right. yeah, it's, it's just amazing. So we were on vacation last week and the hotel gym had barbells. We don't have room for a lot of barbells and I've gotten really obsessed with the efficiency of my basement gym. So I never really leave the house and <laughs> perfect. <laughs> More about that later. <laughs> my husband's like, we're all waiting for you at the pool. What happened? And I said, I'm not going anywhere. Bulgarian splits on the Smith. I'm like, I'm done. Like I'm bringing my mattress in here. We're not, this is vacation. It was a really <laughs> reacquainted. Pivoting the conversation for a second. We got a couple of questions that I'm sure whoever asked them is fast asleep by now. <laughs> Hopefully not. A little bit about pelvic floor, talking a little bit about where to start once you get the clearance to exercise. I'm happy you're asking Katie because as soon as I sprint, my pelvic floor completely just says sayonara. Yeah, we are. And that was like since first trimester with my first, who's 10 for the record. So, and I was not willing to put in the work to fix it. And here we are. So let's answer those questions and not take an example from me. <laughs> yeah, I think that it is really tempting when you are postpartum and you sort of have been through this whole nine months of like, reduced intensity, say like you're somebody who is used to training and you're like, I can't train the way I want to. And then you give birth and like, in some ways you do feel like yourself again. You're like, oh, I have some bodily autonomy. I mean, sort of somebody's attached to you all the time, but <laughs> you do feel like I'm not carrying around this person. Yeah. I, I instantly felt relief. I hated being pregnant. I know some people love it and think it's magical. I don't know how you did it three times. Kudos to you. You're amazing. But, and then you, you look at yourself and you don't really recognize yourself and and I think a lot of people really rush into things because maybe they want the feeling of working hard again. 
maybe they think I'm going to work harder. I'm going to change my body faster. And it's just like very important that you respect your body's timeline on this. And that is so hard, but so important. So like for the first six weeks, the recommendation, you know, it's when you get your clearance from your doctor after that, where they're just like, you're all good. Go yeah. exercise. You sure I don't need a couple weeks off? <laughs> it's like, it's just wild to me that, I mean, okay, so that guideline is based on the fact that that's just time for some basic tissue healing to occur. So like before you exercise, before you have sex, whatever, they just want to make sure that like you're sort of at least baseline healed, your uterus has shrunk back down a little bit. Cause that's a lot of it at the beginning. And then you're just like really actively recovering. I don't know who is motivated and energized right at the beginning to train anyway, who isn't in like a complete <laughs> sleepless stupor, but good for you. Can I um, a minute of your time to therapize? Yeah. Okay. The, the progression of my maturity from my first to my third, I had high risk pregnancies with all of my kids. And instead of using that as a free pass to lazy town, I tried to circumvent every parameter placed on me because I was so worried about losing everything that I had spent over a decade building. And it's just amazing looking back and seeing like, I guess how far I've come as a person. I remember with my second, I was back at the gym in a very intense class two and a half weeks after. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember watching that. Yeah, it's me. Hi, hi. Kind of like levitating with pride. And now I'm kind of like, what were you so worried about? What were you so worried about? I was so worried because it was, it all was, I guess, tethered to my hatred of cardio and therefore my desire to stay at my base paces all the time, if that makes sense. When you love something, it's not as stressful. And so I was so worried that I would lose that. And yeah, I mean, I pretty much went into labor at the gym with every kid. <laughs> so Gosh. I look back and I'm kind of, I guess, proud at the drive, sad for the lack of peace I had, I don't know. But uh, yeah. in saying that, talking about healing with the tissues and all of that good science stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just like speak quickly on what you said. I think like it really is, is <laughs> in the immediate, you really think like, this is what's happening right now. And like, I need to change this. And it does take a long time to properly heal. But when you look back in hindsight, you're like, man, it wasn't a big deal that I could have waited this many more weeks. But like when you're in it, it is a different experience. Like, and so it's, it's so easy for me to say this now, but like, I know from like when I was in that, I had to just talk myself down a lot and be like, you need to calm down and stop trying to do these things that your bodies are ready for, you know? So there was a lot of that occurring. And I was lucky enough to have gone through courses and had that education where I was even aware of what I should and shouldn't be doing. So that made it easier as well. So essentially like your birth experience is going to be very different from the next person's likely if you had like a, a very uncomplicated vaginal delivery you can start some very gentle stuff within a few weeks but no matter sort of your birth experience you if it was easy if it was more complicated you're going to want to start with basic breathing and reconnection work so even just <laughs> breathing and like really figuring out these muscles because they are internal. And I mean, all of our muscles are internal, but like a lot of people aren't really familiar with 
their pelvic floor muscles the same way they are with like flexing their glutes or their biceps, right? And so like learning, learning how to engage these muscles, how to relax these muscles, which is the part that a lot of people really miss out on. They always think like Kegels, Kegels, Kegels. And it's like, no, <laughs> relax them as well. That is equally important. And also your inner core, your entire core musculature is really important to rebuild, but like rebuilding that connection with your inner core and then figuring out how to properly breathe. So a nice 360 degree breath. Um, that is where you always want to start because this is going to be your so solid foundation with which you build everything upon. And so in the same way that anybody embarking on a fitness program is going to want to start with basics and then as they get stronger, continue to scale things to make them more challenging. It's the exact same concept. You're just starting basically like essentially like rehab. You're just like rehabbing. And so you want to really focus on your core. And so especially like people focus a lot on this, like the linea alba or the, the fascial, the fascia in between the two sides of their six pack or rectus abdominis. And you will notice that you will probably have some separation there. You probably notice it in pregnancy and postpartum. So in pregnancy, it's very normal. That's not something to be feared. Your, your core is meant to separate. And postpartum, it can just take some time. Some people's close all by themselves. Some people's take a lot more time and some people's never really close. And that isn't necessarily something you've done wrong. There are some things that you could do to sort of like mitigate further damage. But if you're like a small person with a small torso with a really big baby and like maybe genetically, you don't have like super strong, resilient fascia. That's not something you did wrong. It's just like, you're probably gonna have more of a diastasis. But something to keep in mind is that people are always focusing on like, close the gap, close the gap. But when you think about it, like, it's not just that your core stretched in this one area, your entire core musculature stretched to accommodate this baby. So you have to rehabilitate your entire core. And so I think where a lot of people get really stuck is that yes, you should start with very regressed exercises. So work on that connection work. Then you're doing these core pull-ins and then you want to just sort of slightly lean back in your chair. And then you want to stand up and slightly lean forward as if you're doing like a wall push-up, you know, like a plank on a wall. And then you do your breathing from there and, and reconnection work. And then eventually, you know, you're sort of working your way down to a plank on the floor. But a lot of them, people start with like dead bugs and, and um, oh my gosh, Katie. <laughs> bird dogs, they start, my brain is turning off apparently. They start really regressed, but then they never move beyond that because they go, oh, I still have some separation. But the thing is, number one, you can have full strength and function and still have some separation. I still have some separation. I have very resilient, I'm very lucky that I have great fascia though. So I'm not, I don't have any issues with it whatsoever, but it, it's very functional. Like the, it does not inhibit me, but people very much fear like there's still a space. It's like, really doesn't matter. Maybe your core is still meant to function this way and it's fine. And sometimes people have an even smaller space, but they have a, a more challenging time, right? Sorry. So what happens often is people will still notice this thing and then they go, I can't move on. But the reason they're not progressing further is because they're staying with these exercises. So they're not making their body have to adapt to a new challenge, right? And so you really do need to keep progressing things and, and challenging yourself over time to improve on them. So I know this is super general, like it's probably not, I hope it's like remotely helpful for, for this person that asked the question, but essentially like you just need to make sure that you're starting very regressed, that you're starting with your connection work, with your inner core and your pelvic floor, do your breathing and then slowly build up and listen to the feedback that your body is giving you. So if you're doing an exercise and you notice like a hard cone, which is like a lot of 
uncontrolled pressure of the middle of your linea alba or that area between your six pack abs. So if you, if you notice like a really hard amount of pressure there and you're doing an exercise that is probably quite challenging, it's probably just a little hard for you right now. So just modify a little bit, bring your limbs in a little bit closer to your body, choose a variation that works something similar, but in a slightly easier way and see what your body's doing. And then maybe you'll be ready for that progression once you slowly work on that after a number of weeks. And the other thing I will say is if you can afford to do so, I, I really wish this was covered for people, but go to see a pelvic floor physiotherapist because they're going to be able to individually assess like what has happened with your birth and what's happening with your body and give you a lot more tailored recommendations. They're probably not going to give you like a full fitness program to continue to strengthen all the way. So like that's sort of where you might want to work in conjunction with somebody who also does postpartum or prenatal fitness. But I think like getting that individual assessment is so important. And also if you can while you're pregnant, because they teach you a lot about giving birth too. And not that my, not that my nurse listened to me when I was like, I'm supposed to push like this. She was like, no, <laughs> but I tried. So. <sighs> but I tried. I did try. I did try. Did you have a smooth labor experience? I mean, it probably could have been worse, but I'm a tense human being. So I'm almost like tightly wound and it just probably did not work in my favor. And I was like, I went into labor like 7 p.m. on the 13th. Does that make sense? Yes. And then I didn't sleep that night because my contractions were like two minutes apart. And I went in and they're like, you're <laughs> two centimeters dilated. And I'm like, dang, that sucks. Because I've been laboring for like, I don't know, until like 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. So I went home and I was just in a lot of pain. They were pretty frequent. So I couldn't sleep. So I didn't sleep at all. Then I stayed home till like 7 p.m. again. So I'd been like 24 hours. And I went in there like, you're two and a half centimeters dilated. I was like, come on. A half? That's frustrating. And so like, I knew I wasn't going to sleep that night. Right? Like, I didn't sleep one night. I'm going on to like, it's like 9 p.m. No sleep a second night. And I was like, you know what? I hear really great things about zero sleep and pain tolerance, y'all. But they didn't want to give me an epidural because they're like, you're not dilated enough. And I was like, you think my body's fighting me or something? I'm like shaking like this. I'm like green. I'm like, Bleh. so thankfully the nurse who was there the night before who'd already like been home and is back on shift knew that I was, she, she was doing my monitor. She's like, you've had contractions two minutes apart. That's crazy. <laughs> like 35 hours now. Just give her, give her 30 hours, give her the drugs. And so best experience of my whole life. I was like, maybe my body will be magic. And I'll just be like, I was made to give birth. Pretty sure I could have been more chill about it. But the epidural is like the best thing I've ever done in my whole life. I was like, oh my God, give it to me. Like I still didn't sleep though. I got, cause she came in every 15 minutes to check on me. But I was so relaxed. It's the most relaxed I've been in my life. Zero sleep for two nights. I didn't even care at that point. I was like, oh my God, I feel so good. Your first experience with drugs, honey. Yeah, it was, yeah, I never took anything at all. So that was good. Have you talked about yours before? Your um, my experiences? Yeah. My first one, I had an emergency C-section. That, that left the scars, literally and figuratively. Um, and then my second one... They were, yeah, my second and third were okay. I think that's why I was like so on fire getting back to the gym. I felt like I had been cured from the trauma um, because I was able to have a V back. 
but yeah, my, my pregnancies are a full-time job because I have to be monitored three to four times a week. So like, I'm really somebody who wants to kind of just like be pregnant and deadlift and instead it becomes like a full-time job. So I'm always very grateful when it goes smoothly. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so stressful. Yeah, it's not ideal, but you have given us so much to go on tonight. I feel like I learned a lot. And your delivery, this is my favorite thing. When I have a guest that can basically break down complex topics in such like a digestible way. Because sometimes I'll be driving and I'm pausing and playing a podcast as people are coming in and out of my car. And you want to be able to kind of just pick up as you go and have it be like an enjoyable listen. So you really accomplished that tonight. So thank you. Oh, well, I'm glad. I am prone to tangents, so I'm happy to not okay. too much. My opinion. <laughs> Everyone else is like, you're wrong with you. She's the no, worst. This is, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I really love this color on you. Oh, I love this sweater so much. I'm going to be living in this. I hope so. Yeah, I'm already planning out outfits. I'm like, I'm going to wear it with my bike shorts and my chalk, oh. and I'm going to do this. It's so cute. <laughs> Oh, thanks for being on Kale in My Teeth. You were a pleasure, and I'm so happy we got to connect. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Good night. And that's all for today, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Listen, if you've enjoyed this episode, I would love if you subscribed. And if you're really next level vibing, leave me a positive review so we can keep the circle of positivity going. Of course, you can find our guest's information in the show notes and find more of me on my Instagram and website at Rifki Rabinowitz and RifkiRabinowitz.com. Have a good one, okay? Stay cool.